everybody. This is Cody here with Jerkoat Sports Talk. I got a brand new episode coming at you guys. Uh, we're going to be reviewing a little bit of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and then we'll be looking ahead to the um, infamous and the well-anticipated uh, conference championship games between the AFC and the NFC. It's going to be a crazy one. Unfortunately, Drew's not going to be joining me. Him and his family are celebrating his wife's birthday tonight, so I've got you guys covered for tonight's episode. So stay tuned and please enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome back again. At the top of the intro, I mentioned that we'll be going over uh, the divisional round just as a quick uh, review of what took place that led us to the conference championship games that will be taking place this Sunday in the NFL playoffs. And unfortunately, the season is coming down to an end, uh, but it's been great with some really, really, really fun games, especially this past week in the divisional rounds. Before we get started, guys, please go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to go over the NFC Divisional round, that which got us to the NFC Divisional Championship. So uh, in the NFC, we had the 49ers defeat the Green Bay Packers 13-10, to and we had the Buccaneers lose to the Rams 27-30. to uh, The 49ers had a shocking on-the-road win in uh, freezing climate in Green Bay, uh, which uh, sent Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers uh, home early. Well, not home, they were already home, but sent them to the offseason early. Uh, after the Green Bay Packers uh, had a bye week to rest. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions around uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, played his last game with Green Bay. I think so, which I'll talk about a little bit more later on in the show. But and alas, that's what brings us to uh, the 49ers moving on. And then uh, again, in the Bucks and the Rams game, uh, Tom Brady unfortunately lost to the LA Rams. Uh, they were down at one point by 20 plus points. And uh, Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does, which is come back from behind and at one point had tied up the score uh, of the game at 27-27 before Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup led the late uh, uh, late game charge down the field for a uh, Matt Gray uh, game-winning kick, and which led us to the Rams and the 49ers uh, meeting each other NFC Championship game. So that's two NFC West divisional rivals playing in the divisional, uh, excuse me, in the conference championship game, which is actually super exciting. Um, in the AFC, we had the Bengals defeating the Titans 19-16, to and we had the crazy overtime game with a lot of controversy, but in the final two minutes of the regular season, it was a show, that is for sure. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs defeating uh, Josh Allen and the Bills 42-36, to which was an epic game. Um, a lot of controversy surrounding this game where Kansas City basically won the coin toss in overtime and basically took one drive to score the touchdown and sent the Bills home for the offseason. A lot of controversy regarding if overtime should allow two possessions no matter what the score is. Um, you know, I think you guys be the judge of that. They've already adjusted it once before, and it's kind of a nice sweet spot. Some people think it should go to the college format, which is basically everyone starts off with the ball. At, I think the... Uh, 25 yard line and they get four downs to score and you know, whoever scores last wins or something along those lines. Um, so we'll see. I mean, everyone's opinion is going to differ. I'm not going to get into that this episode, but it was definitely an epic game. And I would be lying to say that that was, uh, you know, I, I wish Josh Allen had an opportunity, but Hey, Bill's also got to play defense. But anyways, the last, uh, the AFC conference championship game leaves us with the Cincinnati Bengals facing off against the Kansas city chiefs. So it's going to be a pretty epic uh, conference championship games for both uh, conferences. 
And uh, first, I will start off reviewing the 49ers and the Rams. So two prior times where 49ers did a season sweep of the Rams, as everyone recalls. But as a review, week 10, uh, 49ers defeated the Rams 31 to 10. Uh, and the Rams also lost to the 49ers in week 18, 27 to 24, where they blew a lead and lost in overtime to the 49ers. A uh, couple of things that, uh, you know, that kind of stand out to me is, you know, Matthew Stafford, of course, it seems like that he has a hard time, uh, you know, protecting the ball against the 49ers. I think that will take credit to the San Francisco defense for that. Um, in the two games that uh, Matthew Stafford played the 49ers, he threw four interceptions and was sacked seven times. So definitely protection is a huge one that the Rams need to pay attention to if they're going to, you know, have a chance against the 49ers defense, which, you know, I think plays above their ability if we can all agree that they don't have a whole lot of showstoppers or what they used to have any longer, but their defense is coached up really well and they have a lot of good players that are just always making the right plays and it they just bother a lot of people. Look what they did to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They made him feel uncomfortable, but also too, I feel like Aaron Rodgers was a little disinterested if that makes sense in that game, but the 49ers still held on. They, they didn't make it easy for him and made him struggle and they prevail. I give all the credit to the defense for that. Jimmy G had some good throws, but also almost cost him the game and a lot of the uh, drives that they had where he threw the ball either behind the receiver or too far ahead or, you know, his team bailed him out in that aspect, but nevertheless, the defense here for the 49ers has always been a key for their uh, wins against the Rams. And what's basically gotten them to this point, uh, basically, you know, slowing down the, you know, one of the offensive firepower uh, offenses in the Cowboys and the, and the uh, Packers in back-to-back weeks. So that's hard to do. So credit the defense for that. But you know, I think a lot of things that are different here in this game with the Rams and the 49ers, I feel like the Rams have done a better job of getting uh, Odell Beckham Jr. more involved in the passing game. So now there's a legit number two or between Cooper Cup and OBJ, there's a 1A and a 1B. It doesn't really matter because OBJ was uh, featured quite a bit in the uh, Buccaneers win or Buccaneers loss, excuse me, which, you know, helped the Rams prevail and Cooper Cup just was unstoppable. So you know, a lot of defenses are going to have a hard time finding an answer for Cooper Cup, which still leaves, you know, who's going to cover OBJ. Even if he is contained, you got Van Jefferson, you got Tyler Higby, you know, Cam Akers is back now. He did have a lot of fumbles, though, which is the reason why um, the Buccaneers did come back in that point um, that basically kept their season alive at some aspects of it. But, you know, they have Cam Akers that is rushing the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. And the Rams defense is, phenomenal with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and a plethora of other players that are there as well. So, you know, I imagine that uh, the Rams defense is going to have to show up and put pressure on Jimmy G and uh, we'll see how that goes. And especially, you know, we talk about Cooper cup, how he's hard to contain, but there's also Debo Samuels for the 49ers. How are they going to contain him? Which is another huge question, but anyways, guys, I'm going to give you three, Keys to victories for each team, in my opinion, for them to each win. So they go as follows. Stafford is going to have to is going to not have to protect the ball. He can't afford to throw interceptions. Uh, that offensive line has got to protect him to give him an opportunity to find his receivers and make plays happen. Um, you know, a couple of times in the 49ers game when um, you know the Rams did not move the pocket for Stafford to give him more time, let him be a drop back passer. The 49ers really dug into him to where Matthew Stafford made errant throws, which caused turnovers, which is what he needs to protect in order to 
uh, give the Rams an opportunity to win this game. Uh, second one for the Rams, they're going to have to take out the 49ers run game. And I mean, they're going to have to find a way to contain Debo Samuels when it comes to those, uh, you know, those jet sweeps or those handoffs, those delayed handoffs. They're going to have to find a way to contain Debo Samuel, uh, Debo Samuels, um, Elijah Mitchell, um, basically just make Jimmy GB a quarterback, make him throw the ball because you know your secondary is really good and will bait him into a lot of throws and Jimmy G will make mistakes on his own. He's not known for um, you know, being a clock manager or taking care of the ball at times. So you can definitely win that way if you cause him to just be uncomfortable, stop the run game, turn the 49ers into a one-dimensional team. And the third key for me, and this would be the X factor for the Rams, would be get OBJ involved often and quickly because when you make the 49ers have to worry about Cooper Cup there's no figuring out how to stop Cooper Cup, but I imagine that they're going to get creative with double coverages, some sort of zone where there's going to be somebody or two people at least on him at all times, which is going to leave it wide open for either OBJ or Van Jefferson. I think uh, Odell Beckham, because he's hungry right now, he has a lot to prove with being basically traded or excuse me, released by the Browns earlier this season, thinking that he was the problem. And in his time with the um, Rams, He's caught something like six or seven touchdowns already um, in, I think, only 10 games, which is insane. But I think the Rams are going to have to get OBJ involved um, often and early and make sure that they just make the defense uncomfortable. I mean, OBJ would be great to take some challenges down the field, you know, short, shallow crosses, something along those lines. And, you know, then obviously when they have to uh, respect OBJ, then that means it's going to leave Cooper Cup open. It's going to make that defense really really have to figure out who they want to stop first before um, before things get out of hand. But I think OBJ is the X factor for the Rams in this game. And for the 49ers, three keys to, st- to win in this NFC championship game and to move on to the Super Bowl to beat the Rams. I've got, uh, you know, pressuring Matthew Stafford. So again, the Rams is, you know, they got to protect Stafford. For the 49ers, they got to pressure Matthew Stafford. Turn him into a turnover machine, which he normally does. And again, as I repeated earlier, Matthew Stafford had threw four interceptions in the two games that he's played the 49ers and was and has been sacked seven times. So they can get to him. They can get him to cause turnovers, which is what they need to do. Uh, and that leads into point number two. Not only do you need to create turnovers by the interceptions that you hopefully gain from Matthew Stafford, but going after that ball, uh, Cam Akers showed that he doesn't protect the ball. He had four turnovers all by himself in terms of fumbling the ball which has kept the Bucks in the game up until the Rams defeated the Bucks at the, at the end, as I'd mentioned, but the 49ers need to create turnovers, which is going to keep them alive. And what happens is if these 49ers keep getting the ball uh, in terms of turnover, it'll keep the Rams defense on the field. It'll wear them out. It'll give the 49ers an opportunity to score and hopefully come up with a big lead to where it turns the Rams into a throw it kind of option. And it takes out the run game, which is point number three for 49ers take out the run. So if you, turn the ball over um, from Cam Akers, who basically is, I think, their only ball carrier at this point in the run position, and it causes turnovers. It stops the run game because they're not going to want to chance it. So you leave more opportunities to throwing it a lot more. Now, the Rams the last two games have been a lot more balanced, but if you take away the run game, which the 49ers are more than capable of doing, which is what they did to, um, obviously, the Cowboys. It's what they did to the Buccaneers. They took a lot of the run game away from them and where they had to be throwing. Same thing with, uh, um, excuse me, um, what the 49ers had to do with Green Bay Packers, took away the run game. You know, that was huge for um, for the 49ers because 
you know, at that point, Green Bay was just throwing it almost every single down and they couldn't, they couldn't find any connections because the 49ers had thrown off the Green Bay Packers rhythm. Um, and I think the X factor in this game too is going to be Jimmy G and Brandon Ayuk um, to basically be the 49ers X factors to pull out this victory if they want to go on to the Super Bowl. Jimmy G just needs to be very selective, I want to say, in throwing the ball. And I think Brandon Ayuk is uh, going to be a huge X factor in this in the, when it comes to the secondary because Jalen Ramsey, we can probably confirm that he's going to probably go one-on-one with Debo Samuel because he's probably the only one that can come close to covering him even though Debo Samuels is bigger than, uh, Sam, uh, than uh, Ramsey. But Ramsey is a very good cover corner which means that that's going to leave Brandon Ayuk, who's very fast and has kind of fi- kind of come to his own in this season. Um, a little bit took him a while, but he's finally kind of getting there. And I think if the 49ers find a way to get him the ball and George Kittle, of course, but Brandon Ayuk getting the ball, I think would make a huge difference. And if Jimmy G can just not turn the ball over, take care of it, throw it when needed, make the throws that's necessary, 49ers have a really good shot at moving on to the Super Bowl. But for each team, those are the three keys for each team, in my opinion, that are going to get them the opportunity to move on to the Super Bowl. However, with that being said, uh, my prediction here is I believe the Rams are going to beat the 49ers to move on to the Super Bowl. And a couple of reasons why is because I believe the 49ers, um, I believe that their offense is very good, but you know they're injured. They've got uh, uh, Trent Williams is injured. Debo Samuels is injured. They're basically running on adrenaline right now, and I feel like that their Cinderella pumpkin, so to speak, is about to hit midnight to where everyone's going to go back to normal, only because you got injuries coming up. I don't think Jimmy G can get them over the top, especially if the Rams' defense comes to play because, I mean, they've got pass rushers. They've got a really good secondary, and I think that this defense that the Rams has is made for the playoffs, and I think that Jimmy G is going to be facing a defense that's hungrier than, of course, the Cowboys, hungrier than against Green Bay. And I think Jimmy G is going to have problems. And I think Stafford, OBJ, Cooper Cup, the offense is going to be rolling, steamrolling. They have a ton of offensive weapons that we haven't really seen in a long time um, that I think the 49ers are going to just have a really hard time finding answers for. They got a great defense. They will probably get their sacks, maybe even a couple of fumbles. But I think ultimately, I think the Rams' high-powered offense is going to get them passed in this game. And I feel like the Rams are going to go on to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't really have a score prediction, but I'm going to say, you know, low to mid thirties for both teams, but I have the Rams uh, pulling it out, but it's going to be a really good NFC West rivalry game. That is just, it's even better because it's in the NFC championship game, which is phenomenal, but I've got the Rams uh, moving on to this one and they would be the NFC representatives for the Super Bowl. All right, so we're going to be moving on to the AFC Championship game. And just again, a brief uh, recap. Uh, the Bengals defeated the Titans 19-16, uh, to 16, and the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Buffalo Bills in overtime 42-36, to 36, which leads us with the AFC Championship game being the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So this one is actually going to be a very interesting one as well because they actually played each other in Week 17, which is the infamous game that uh, uh, Jamar Chase, pardon me, had the 11 catch, uh, 11 catch game, 266 yards, um, three touchdowns. If you played against him in fantasy football, such as I did, you lost that game <laughs> that week because Chase by himself scored nearly 60 points, which basically was a difference maker for anybody that did not have him or was playing against him in the 
in your fantasy football league. I know because I was on the on the wrong end of it. But nevertheless, though, the Kansas City Chiefs lost to uh, Cincinnati Bengals 34 to 31. As I had mentioned, uh, Chase had a huge game. Burrow had a phenomenal game. Um, Mahomes had a had a decent game and the Chiefs run game was kind of there. I feel like that the Chiefs just, um, you know, they were playing on the road. So maybe it was, uh, you know, a road loss, which is typical. But the Chiefs had almost pretty much had um, had almost clinched the playoffs at this point. So I don't think there was any sense of urgency from them to um, I don't want to say try hard, but, you know, to to grind out the game as they could have in the sense of what it matters as of today. But nevertheless, we've got the uh, Bengals and the young Joe Burrow that are going against uh, that is going against uh, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs are looking uh, are in the AFC championship game for the fourth year in a row. And they're looking to get to the super bowl for the third year in a row, which is kind of insane to think about, but uh, I'll do the same thing as I did for the AFC or excuse me for the NFC championship game, which is I'm gonna give three keys of victories to each team and the X factor and then predict the winner from that. So in my opinion, for the Bengals to win against the Chiefs, they're going to need prayer, first of all. <laughs> and then following that, they're going to need to utilize uh, Mixon in the run game and in the passing game. They're going to have to get him involved in the screen game, in the uh, in the running back draws. They're going to just have to get creative with getting him involved because I feel like if Mixon can get the linebackers to pay attention to him, that'll open up the play action. And Joe Burrow's really good at play action. Jamar Chase, uh, uh, T. Higgins, and even Tyler Boyd, they don't need a whole lot of separation to go after the ball. So I feel like it just even a little bit of hesitation from any of the secondary would just be great for Burrow. But also, too, it makes them extremely balanced, which they're very hard to beat when they're balanced. Um, second key uh, to winning would be to make sure that they get they focal point Chase. Get him the ball, whether that's wide receiver screens, bubble screens, whatever it is, get him involved early and often. Um, you know, focus on the DB that's guarding him, uh, back shoulder fades, whatever it takes, get him the ball often. Cause Jamar chase is going to be that lightning quick difference maker that is going to help get that offense looking and running smoothly, which will then open up T Higgins. Because again, the, uh, chiefs are going to want to double team, uh, chase. And you have two other arguably number one receivers that are alongside Jamar chase. That'll be very hard to stop as well. And I think if you can run, a balanced offense, as mentioned, get Jamar Chase the ball. You will have great success with uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, especially to get them involved. But it all it's all going to start with getting Chase in the open space, get him the ball quick and often. And then third and lastly, probably the most important one is you got to protect Burrow. Uh, he was sacked four times in the game against the Chiefs, the game that they had won where they beat the Chiefs in week 17. But he was also sacked nine times against the um, against the Tennessee Titans. That's not good. Um, you know, that's drive enders right there. That's that's a momentum stopper. The The offensive line has always been the Achilles heel for the Bengals, which is why it's so surprising that they're here because, you know, Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback in all of football this season. And so it's impossible to think that that offensive line can keep him upright. But yet Joe Burrow has wheeled them into the playoffs to where they're playing for an opportunity to get into the Super Bowl. But a huge key to get... Burrow to get Mixon involved, to get uh, Jamar Chase involved, is to protect him. Their pass protection, their run protection, it needs to be on point. They need to play as one, and they need to they need to keep Burrow up. And I don't know if that means creating uh, creative spacing, which is you know rolling him out, moving the pocket even just a little bit, 
but it's all going to start with protecting Burrow. You got to protect Burrow to let everything happen. And my X factor for the Bengals is T Higgins. I think if T Higgins comes to play where you have two legitimate receivers that give the Kansas city chiefs a tough time, you're going to win this game because their defense is good. But what happens is Patrick Mahomes and that offense runs so smoothly that they get you out in front. You go through one or two, three and outs. They score so quickly that before you know it, you're still in the first or in the, or you're still in the first half or not even out of the first quarter yet. And you're down by three scores. So what happens? You abandon your game plan. You don't run the ball. You throw it all the time. And that's how they kind of get you is because now they, now they've played you into what, what they expect you to do. And, in order to get out of that, you need to have a secondary option such as T. Higgins, which is a, a perfect example of one tall receiver, big body to where, you know, give him those one-on-one matchups, you know, have him go across the middle, whatever it takes to get him open as, as you would Jamar Chase, give him the ball. And I feel like those two will create havoc for the Chiefs and it gives the Bengals an opportunity to play into the Super Bowl, which would be probably crazy in itself. But those are my three keys to victory. And my X factor again is T. Higgins for the Bengals. Okay, now moving on to the Chiefs. Uh, there are three keys to victories, in my opinion, would be get uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire involved in the run game and in the pass game, very similar to Joe Mixon. But uh, uh, Edwards, uh, Edwards-Hilaire is very, very elusive, very strong back to where you need to get him involved early and often. And I think you get him running and you get, in, you get him involved in the pass and the run game, as mentioned, get that offensive balance. I think it's going to be a really huge problem for the Bengals defense. Now, I'm not going to say that the Raiders gave the defense problems, but when the Bengals played the Raiders, when the Raiders got the run game going, they were able to move down the field. It kind of opened up some things. And it, and again, with Raiders mistakes and certain play calls, that's what kind of prohibited us from going um, and really capitalizing on the defense. But the Bengals defense can be had, but it requires you to be balanced. So you got to run the ball. You got to throw the ball effectively. You got to keep them guessing. Play action helps out a lot, especially if that run game is going. And Patrick Mahomes, when play action is happening, is very, very, very elusive and can cause a lot of problems if uh, if that run game is happening. So the second key to victory for the Chiefs will obviously be Patrick Mahomes needs to remain patient as he did in the game with the Bills. Um, earlier this season, we had made note that, you know, he was throwing uncharacteristic turnovers, fumbling the ball. Some of the th- uh, interceptions that he was throwing was because from what my opinion was, and Andrew echoed this as well too, was because it looked like the times where he could scramble out, throw a ball up there, you know, because he was just winging it, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, they would get lucky and the ball would go in the chief's way. And it was exciting until defenses had tape on Mahomes and they would capitalize on those turnovers. And then what ended up happening is as the season progressed, Mahomes became more patient. He started doing the checkdowns. He started doing the screen game more. He started doing the, uh, the smaller intermediate passing. And I think one game in particular, he threw the ball 28 times, but he barely had 200 yards because each pass wasn't very long, but he did it enough to move the ball, move the ball, get the offense rolling, get the defense tired, which is basically what he's going to have to do. Remain patient like he did in Buffalo, where Buffalo was allowing him to take those un- those uh, under three-yard throws, those intermediate, intermittent throws. Those are the ones that are going to really make a difference with the Bengals. Because again, if your run game is really good and you get, and even if they have you covered on long on long throws or deep down the field, if you just check down and it's kind of, you know, like a long run that's just slowly progressed, that'll get the Bengals tired, continuing the drive, gets them into turnovers because or gets them into 
causing penalties because now they're holding somebody or uh, you know illegal contact, whatever whatever that is. But that that goes with Mahomes having to be patient to let that develop. Also, too, um, the final third point would be obviously have Hill have Tyreek Hill stretch the field, stretch the defense. That's going to be another huge game. He was very effective in the Bills game. Tyreek Hill basically crossed mid uh, shallow cross and then turned it upfield and just went. That was all because of his speed. And I believe that if if the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill use his speed, get that secondary to stretch to where they go, where he's behind the defense. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes with his electric arm will just kind of take the top off of everything. That'll also be a huge key to victory win, which it's not really necessarily a key. It's kind of like what they always do with their offense. But, you know, get Hill to stretch the defense because as he takes those secondaries with him when they try to play him on those deep routes, it leaves the underthrow such as to Kelsey or to Pringle or to Hartman, whoever is down there. Um, You know, that'll be another way to progress the offense and keep the drives alive, create those scores. Um, you know, again, Hill is so hard to match up against cause you can double him, but he's so fast. It doesn't even matter. So Hill stretching the defense is my third key to victory for the chiefs. And the X factor is in my opinion, Kelsey, which is not really an X factor just because it's Travis Kelsey. He's the number one tight end in the league. And, um, you know, he's very, uh, utilized greatly in the chiefs offense. And if he's utilized again, as he was in the bills, um, game, I feel like obviously the Chiefs are going to have not a big problem to uh, have against the Bengals, but also to uh, McKinnon, who has been a great, um, you know, running back for the Chiefs. I think he had like five receptions and he had a couple of uh, pretty big rush gains as well. And Jaron McKinnon, you just didn't expect that. Obviously, he was uh, formerly with the 49ers as well. Uh, I think he had some success with the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but anyways, um, obviously due to injuries, become kind of a journeyman and Chiefs picked him up and he's great. He has great hands for being a running back. He's got great vision, very elusive. So getting him involved as well is a huge X factor because, you know, if uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is having a hard time going in between the tackles. You get someone like Jarrett McKinnon who just kind of, is elusive, slips the backfield, has really good hands. You can get him on a mismatch with a linebacker. Um, you know, I feel like that'll cause a lot of lot of problems for the Bengals defense. And again, with stretching to the field with with Hill, there's a lot of un- under throwing passes that you can give to McKinnon that'll turn up field. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. He'll probably just be sitting in those in those zones in those little um, you know in between zone uh, packages in the field. Um, but again, if Mahomes is patient and Clyde Edwards-Heller gets started to where it's a balanced offense, it's going to be very, very hard to stop the Chiefs. So those are my key to victories for um, for both the Chiefs and the Bengals. But my ultimate prediction here is I feel like the Chiefs are just too, too much. I said the same thing with uh, the Titans and the Bengals and the Bengals won, but this is different. Um, Chiefs have been here before. They're very experienced. They're very sharp. That was the very noticeable in the game against the Bills is they just would not be denied. They could not have been any more, I wouldn't say dominant because again, the Bills came to play, but the Chiefs hung in there, showed a lot of guts, showed a lot of grit, and they showed a lot of hunger, which, you know, for a team that has not, um, has not been, has been to the AFC title game four years in a row, hopefully getting to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row, they still remain extremely hungry, especially the loss they had against the Buccaneers last year. They got a bad taste in their mouth. Andy Reid is getting these guys prepared. 
I feel like the Bengals have had a great season. It'll be a very good game, very good offenses. Joe Burrow is such a great young quarterback, uh, but I feel like the Chiefs' experience here and just their offense is just too hard to going to be too hard to stop. The Bengals' defense is not there. Their offensive line is not there to protect Joe Burrow yet, and it's going to be very, very, very hard for the Bengals to outlast the Chiefs because they Chiefs can match the Bengals shot for shot, but can the Bengals match the Chiefs shot for shot? That's a huge question. But anyways, guys, that's my prediction. I got the Chiefs uh, moving on to the Super Bowl that would be facing uh, the Rams representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So that's my prediction for you guys. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, I'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers basically playing his last game with Green Bay and where I think he'll go some options as well. And then also to be talking about if Tom Brady is going to retire after this season. So we'll take a break and I'll come right back. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, thank you so much for sticking around again. Don't forget to follow us on drew code sports talk on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Uh, so we're diving right back into the show and I'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers. He played his last game or in my opinion, he played his last game with green Bay this past Sunday when he lost to the uh, 49ers in the uh, NFL divisional round um, in his playoff uh, career. He is 0-4 against the 49ers. Um, a little brief history. If you guys don't know who Aaron Rodgers is, he's just considered one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever throw the ball in the NFL. But uh, he was drafted in the uh, 2004 NFL draft by the Green Bay Packers with the 24th pick. He's the infamous quarterback that should have been taken high that fell. Pictures or video of him all in the draft room upset because quarterbacks well before him were taken. He was arguably probably the best quarterback uh, in the draft. And again, he was taken by Green Bay and he sat behind Brett Favre for four years, became a full-time starter in uh, 2008. And uh, he's uh, accumulated a 139 win record to a 66 loss and one tie. And in the playoffs, he's had uh, 21 appearances where he has won 11 of them and lost 10 of them. And again, as a reminder, uh, four of those four of those losses have been against the 49ers, and he does have one Super Bowl championship that was won in 2010. So, so I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Uh, the game against Green Bay and the 49ers is really hard to watch. Aaron Rodgers, um, he didn't look like. I mean, at first, at the start of the game, uh, he looked to be fine, sharp. Uh, was going to Adams pretty faithfully, going to Aaron Jones. They were running the ball, and and uh, screenplay was rolling well. But in the second half, when the 49ers kind of got some life and started to um, create more pressure, it didn't seem like Aaron Rodgers was willing to change what he was doing, um, especially when it got late. And, um, you know, you can almost feel a momentum shift. And then, unfortunately, that's when uh, the Green Bay special teams defense uh, broke down. Uh, they gave up a block punt, which the 49ers returned for a touchdown, which basically uh, got them the lead in the game. And then it seemed like the the rest of the game for Aaron Rodgers, it was just, you know, disinterested. Um, he left the game. It was very different than any other time I've seen him leave the field. Uh, the best way I can describe it is, you know, look at the difference between, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, who basically announced his retirement just a couple of days ago, uh, to when he left uh, Heinz Field, thanking all the fans, um, but showed a lot of appreciation for them. And then you look at someone like Aaron Rodgers, where he probably did play his last game in Green Bay and didn't have that same remorse, in my opinion, during his post-game interview um, with the media. He just seemed very, you know, over it in terms of like the drama with Green Bay and probably Green Bay's over his drama as well. So 
I think it's kind of like a, you know, it's a two-way street here where Green Bay was basically held for hostage over the offseason, did everything they could for Aaron Rodgers to give him what he wants to come back and play. He he plays, and again, he loses in the divisional round of the 49ers again, and now he's talking about he's going to try test out free agency, which could be something he does. But, you know, I don't think he'll be back with Green Bay. And I don't even know if Green Bay wants him. I mean, yes, he's the greatest. He's probably the greatest quarterback that's ever been in their franchise. But they did draft Jordan Love about two and a half seasons ago. And so you got to think that Jordan Love is probably going to be the predecessor to him. So Green Bay, it's probably in their best interest if they just let Rodgers walk. But they also have a lot of cap issues, which means that uh, Devontae Adams is probably going to walk as well. A lot of rumors about where they're either both going to end up, not going to end up. I know for me as a Raiders fan, hearing that if Adams potentially leaves Green Bay, I'd love to see him come over to the Las Vegas Raiders and and um, catch the ball for Derek Carr as they used to in Fresno State, which would be phenomenal. But, you know, I feel like Green Bay is turning the chapter in what this was with Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to move forward with Jordan Love. And, you know, that's probably going to cost them Devontae Adams as well. But, you know, I just don't think that Rodgers is going to be back with Green Bay, as I'd mentioned. Um and probably for a good reason. It's probably great that he should leave. Now, I know that there's some former players that are wanting him to stay. And maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't. But, um, you know, I think that there's been a lot of turmoil this past offseason, this season, especially with the whole immunization controversy and all that, especially his beef with some, you know, sports writer uh, who won't vote for him for MVP and how he took exception to that. So, you know, that was sensitive to him. But, you know, I don't think Green Bay is in his future. Long, you know, long explanation. But I do have three teams in mind that I think will uh, make a play for Aaron Rodgers. And uh, top of the list for me would be Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is retiring. And so that leaves in vacant quarterback spot. And I say vacant because... Mason Rudolph is not your future. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is not ready for that responsibility to be taken over, which is why he was not called up really to the game when Big Ben was out or any of that stuff. So that tells me that Mason Rudolph is kind of like the guy that's next. And I don't know if he's the guy to take over for Big Ben. And for the Steelers, they just got a basically another running back who's basically all pro in his rookie year and is going to be a great player for a lot of years to come in the running back position and Najee Harris. They just saw a gym that they didn't even realize that they had in um, Deontay Johnson who caught everything was their leading reception and touchdown getter for the Steelers. You have Chase Claypool, who is a great second receiver who, as long as he stays injured, he's a really good player, big body, good hands, as long as he stays off the injury report and he stays healthy. Um, And Pittsburgh still also has a really good defense, even though they just, uh, uh, they are going through quite a bit of a turnover right now with their coaching staff, but they've got a great defense. Mike Tomlin is a great coach. So Aaron Rodgers would be in really good hands in that sense, but that in Pittsburgh, um, Aaron Rodgers probably wouldn't have as much freedom as he used to in Green Bay because, again, he earned that in Green Bay and Pittsburgh. They don't really believe in earning that kind of stuff. Now, uh, Tom, Mike Tomlin will respect you, but you also will know that the team comes first and you won't, um, you know, in other words, you won't act out of line. 
Um, my my second choice, if I had to guess, would be the San Francisco 49ers. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers has always had this uh, grudge against the 49ers for not drafting him uh, when they needed a quarterback in 04, um, which ironically, again, Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 in the playoffs against the 49ers. That's kind of ironic. But in my opinion, I think what will end up happening is the 49ers are kind of in a win-now mode, and I don't know if they believe that Trey Lance is ready yet. And I believe that Jimmy G's future is basically done if he can't get them into the Super Bowl uh, this season regardless. And I feel like that if there were to be anything that would happen, I think if you flip Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers, obviously with Jimmy G's side of the deal, you would San Francisco would have to throw in a bunch of picks to Green Bay to even come close to matching what Green Bay would want in terms of compensation. But you know, I feel like that if 49ers are in a win-now mode, they would pull the trigger on this to get Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers would probably sign off on going to the 49ers, who's originally from California. Um, you know, If they did come through the playoffs, it's not in super extremely cold climates uh, that Aaron Rodgers has played in in Wisconsin, uh, and it's always nice weather in San Francisco. And uh, the only problem is, is in the NFC West, it is arguably the most competitive division in all of football the two most competitive divisions in all of football is the afc west and the nfc west and the 49ers in the nfc west you know you've got quarterbacks outside of jimmy g you've got russell wilson um you have matthew stafford and you have kyler murray in there so you fit aaron Rodgers in there it's going to be a even more competitive division but i feel like if the 49ers in a win now mode they would pull that trigger and i think aaron Rodgers would sign off on that and they've got debo samuels uh, obviously they got Greg, uh, Greg, uh, Kittle, a really good defense. That's still there with Kyle Shanahan and his offensive creativity. I feel like that would be really good in San Francisco and they could potentially be Super Bowl favorites just off of that move alone. The third one though, is kind of a, a sleeper pick, but now I'm not sure because the Denver Broncos, uh, just broke news yesterday that they signed uh, former Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hutchinson. I believe this is how you pronounce the name or Hutchett. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, reportedly has a really good relationship with, um, with Aaron Rodgers, which is pretty enticing considering the Denver Broncos are arguably one quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. They've got the defense to prove it. Uh, but they've had quarterbacks such as Teddy Bridgewater and Tyler Locke to throw to players like Corton Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, uh, Noah Fant. They've got a plethora of uh, of really good running backs. They've got Melvin Gordon. Uh, they've got Jamal Williams, who was a rookie, who had a really good rookie showing. He's got really good hands. And again, they've got a defense that I think ranked fourth overall in the NFL and all you need is a quarterback, and that is a legitimate Super Bowl team. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Denver Broncos found a way to make it work to get Devontae Adams and uh, uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers on the same team. And that would be that's it. I think the Denver Broncos would be the favorites coming out of the AFC, even with uh, Patrick Mahomes. But I will say this though. If Patrick, I mean, if uh, Aaron Rodgers goes to the AFC conference, it's going to be very difficult for him because he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFC conference currently. I mean, outside of maybe Tom Brady, uh, there's Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, sure, you can name a couple more people following that. But in the AFC, you've got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, um, Justin Herbert. And that's just, you know, 
most of those are only in the AFC West. It's not even the rest of the uh, rest of the AFC that has some pretty good young up and coming quarterbacks that uh, are basically starting to flourish. So I feel like that if Aaron Rodgers goes to AFC, you know, he may not have as much success as he did in the NFC, but nevertheless, the only NFC team I can suspect that would, that would make sense for Aaron Rodgers to go to would be the 49ers. Uh, you know, I can't, maybe the saints, but the saints are now looking for a head coach. I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers had already will go there. He already made it known. He's not looking for a rebuild. So San Francisco to me is the only NFC team that would make sense. But again, the third team that I think Aaron Rodgers would probably end up in would be the Denver Broncos. Um, and not that it's relevant, but when Peyton Manning came back from his next surgery, he was signed at 36 by Denver and he went on to play five more years and win a Super Bowl. Um, Aaron Rodgers right now is 38, so he's two years older. So I don't know if it's a five-year deal, but I can see him signing some three-year deal and very easily turn the different Broncos into a Super Bowl contending team and you know possibly lean them to a Super Bowl if everything plays out right. But we'll see. We got a long offseason and the draft in between. So who knows? But I don't think Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. And those are the three teams I think that he will um, – he'll probably sign with. So, all right. So last topic before we close up shop. So just quickly right now, we got uh, Tom Brady who lost as mentioned at the top of the show to the uh, LA Rams in the uh, divisional playoffs in the NFC. Um, Tom Brady has been on record, especially post game of his interview where he'll take some time to talk with his family to discuss whether or not he wants to come back. He's stated several times that he wanted to play up until he's 45. He'll be 45 this August. uh, And he played, he's, played basically the best football we've ever seen at age 44, where he led the league in passing yards passes. I think he also led it in uh, QBR and a couple other statistics. And at the age of 44, uh, you know, he, he's playing, he's playing uh, QBs literally that are half his age and he's showing them up, throwing better stats at a young, at an older age than we've ever seen before. But um, you know, the question is, is, Will Brady retire or will he come back? I think a couple of things we need to look at too is if he comes back, he's going to be coming back to Tampa Bay that may not have Chris Godwin right away. Um, They're not going to have Byron Leftwich. He's going to get hired as a head coach somewhere else. Same thing with Todd Bowles. The only coach that will be returning will be uh, obviously Bruce Arians. Um, Then you got to think about Gronk. Gronk's already said that as of this moment, he's not thinking about coming back, but he's not retiring. So he's taking some time to think. He may not come back. There's just a lot of off-season question marks for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Tom Brady is looking to win now if he's going to win a championship. And, you know, to evaluate if, you know, maybe a couple of off-season moves here and there offensively and defensively, will that make him competitive enough to, to fight for this role, considering that you've got teams in the NFC that are probably argue, arguably better um, such as, you know, the Rams right now are a really good team with Matthew Stafford, OBJ, you know, maybe OBJ signs with the Buccaneers cause they now have some space without, you know, uh, AB and maybe they lose, uh, lose Chris Godwin. So, you know, a lot of question marks for the Buccaneers. And in my opinion, I think this is Tom Brady's time to retire. I think he will retire. Um, you know, um, I think if he gives the Buccaneers enough time too, they'll be able to plan ahead to figure out what's going to happen, go for the future. But I think Tom Brady has played his last football and it's been better football than we thought we'd ever seen. We thought he was done when he left uh, the Patriots. He had two arguably the best seasons that 
anyone, any quarterback has ever had, especially at his age. Um, but it sounds like this is the time. I mean, his, his demeanor, his, his, the way he spoke at his press conference, it sounds like it's time. And in my opinion, I think it should be, I mean, he's got nothing left to prove 10 Super Bowl appearances, seven championships, um, bunch of NFL MVPs. Um, you know, he's done it all. He's been around the sun more than enough times, prove that he can win it in not only AFC, but in the NFC. I don't know what left there is for Tom Brady to prove, but I think he will retire. Um, and it'll be really sad to see considering he spent, you know, 22 seasons in the NFL played as long as he did and accomplished all these goals and, you know, has solidified his name in the NFL. I don't think now, if you ever told the story of the NFL, you can't leave off Tom Brady any which way, shape or form. And it's not a discussion on who's the best quarterback in terms of talent, but there's no denying that Tom Brady is that, is that guy. But unfortunately I, I don't think that he will come back and, you know, it was a heck of a career. And if they do announce it and it's official, I can't wait to come on here and talk about how great he was. And uh, you know, if you guys want to hear a great episode that he was on, he was on um, Dak Shepard's armchair expert last year before the Super Bowl where he had an interview and it was really good. He talked about his kids and his family and playing football and it's a really good interview. I highly recommend it, but you know, he wants to play as long as he can, but you know, at this age right now, what else do you have to prove? And, you know, you don't want to go through a rebuild, which is why you went to Tampa. Got a lot of question marks. You've made a ton of money. You know, your wife's always been wanting you to stay home. I think it's time for that to happen. So I think Tom Brady is calling it quits and we'll hang up the cleats for, for the, for all the right reasons. And it'll be a great career. All right, guys. Well, that is it for me. Uh, it was a solo show for me. Uh, Drew had, as I mentioned, they were celebrating his wife's birthday today. Uh, so he will be back uh, maybe next week. Uh, he'll let me know. Been kind of busy with life in between, but you know he sends his best and he'll be back soon. So don't you guys worry. Uh, but to stay tuned with all of everything going on on social media and all that good stuff, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of the um, social media links are in the description and in our bio, in our link tree. Click on those, follow us, subscribe, like our page. Uh, also, uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave us a comment so that way we can talk with you guys. We're posting new videos more regularly, so hopefully you guys uh, like it and uh, give us some suggestions of what you guys want to hear so that way we can um, interact with you guys. Uh, also, too, we are great ambassador partners for FNX Fit, so we have a link at the top of our link tree that you guys can click on, begin your shopping for FNX Fit, purchase supplements, gear, all that stuff for your workout journey. And you guys can use the promo code Drew code 15 to get 15% off your purchase when you guys check out. And you guys can use that special code for you guys. And we highly recommend them. I have a ton of their gear. Uh, uh, Andrew has a lot of their supplements that he's a big fan of. And we're just a huge advocate and a huge fan of FNX Fit. And we highly recommend them. Uh, and again, guys, uh, go to our link tree. You guys can see all the links to our social media, all of our YouTube links. All that good stuff. Please go and follow us there. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Like I'd mentioned, uh, we'd love to interact with you guys. Uh, with that being said, you guys, the next time we'll talk, we'll probably be to review the uh, NFC and AFC championship game. We'll probably look ahead to potentially if the Raiders hired a coach or a GM or not, which will be some great talk. And then we'll be looking ahead to some basketball, thankfully. So it's been a long season uh, for us Laker fans. So we can't wait to talk about it more with you guys, but with that being said, guys, we appreciate you guys for listening to us. Um, 
you know, be kind to one another. Please wear your mask. Please wash your hands. You know, thank you guys for listening and please, you know, be safe out there. We'll see you guys next week.